Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board-certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, Catherine, today we're going to be hearing from Michaela, and just a small trigger warning to our listeners that there are some discussions about a client dying by suicide, but Michaela really focuses her story on a different angle, which is about her super therapist mode being activated by this triggering event. She does a really great job relating her experiences after losing a client to suicide to something that many of us can relate to, and that is associating our worth and our value as therapists with how many clients we see, how our retention rate is, what progress our clients are making, really tying our worth up with our clients. And we hear about her journey in overcoming, recognizing and overcoming that after a series of really triggering um, events working with clients. Yes, and this episode is amazing. It's so inspiring. Makila is so well-spoken and it really just, at least it touched my heart and like really spoke to a piece of me that does, it does come up where yeah. we sometimes, it's easy to associate our worth with how our clients are doing and things that happen. So there is, again, that slight, you know, discussion about a client dying by suicide, but this episode is really valuable in its general discussion. So we hope you stick with us. Yep, but just listen with care as always. And this is a reminder that none of our episodes, including this one, are a substitute for therapy itself, clinical consultation, or ethical guidance. All right. Well, this is episode number 50 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it.
Michaela, welcome to Am I a Bad Therapist? Hey guys, thanks for having me. Well, before we get into your story today, why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Michaela. Um, I'm a licensed professional counselor in the central Pennsylvania area. I do work for a um, smaller private practice, just me and a couple other therapists. Um, and while I don't really specialize in something specific, I do have an interest in eating disorders. And that's normally kind of my kind of where I go with my interests. So um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. A fellow Central Pennsylvanian. I'm so excited. I know I saw your application come through to be on and I immediately messaged Allie and was like, no way. Small world. <laughs> it For is sure. such a small world. And those of you who are from Central Pennsylvania, you know, our loyalties run deep. So <laughs> we're so excited to have you. I'm excited to connect with you and tell us, you know, I know we're going to talk about some heavy topics today, but why don't you tell us about a situation um, that made you feel feel like you are a bad therapist? Sure. So, um, I mean, just in general, like in my profession, that question, am I a bad therapist comes up numerous times. Um, I could get a client two minutes late and I'm thinking, am I a bad therapist? So, you know, that thought has popped up so many times, but, um, specifically when I was, um, just out of grad school in my first job, um, I did lose a client to suicide. Um, and that wasn't my first experience with um, losing a client. However, it was the most personal experience I had with losing a client. Um, and then maybe about two months later, um, I ended up losing another client to suicide who I had been wow. working with um, a lot. Like he was, they were very sick um, and just in and out of inpatient, worked with them quite a bit. Um, and the part that was really, really hard for me and, and guilt filled for me was, um, when I did have a session scheduled with them, I had to call out sick that day, um, and scheduled them for later that week, um, and found out that they had actually completed suicide the day after we were supposed to have our session. Um, and so it was just learning about that and really taking that personally and taking that to heart of this truly felt like my fault as if having that one session with them would have convinced them to not complete suicide, which we know once someone has it in their mind, it's very hard to convince them out of that. But I really took that as this is my fault because I had to cancel on them. I mean, I am so sorry. I am so sorry, Michaela. And I'm sitting here thinking, I would have felt the exact same way. I know I would have put that right back on myself too. Um, mm -hmm. It's hard enough for me to take a sick day as is, but to have a negative consequence that one of my patients, a negative consequence to one of my patients directly after, whether it was associated or not, I, I I'm, I'm feeling, I, I would feel exactly the same way. I think. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. I, I, I agree. It would just pop into my head of like, and like yeah. you're saying that rational, like kind of thoughts later on and processing it. We know that we can't always like connect those dots and things, but it's so hard. And I can't imagine how difficult it has felt with that, like right after the next day. So your first thought, of course, is this is my fault. What mm -hmm. did you think next? What did you do? Sure. So, um, when I had found out, my supervisor at my job had let me know that they had completed suicide, um, and they had let me know shortly before I was walking into a nine-client day. 
Um, and so they had given me the option of, you know, this happened. I imagine that you're struggling. You can take the day off if you'd like. Um, and this is kind of a side note for supervisors that what probably should have happened was she probably should have told me to go home. Um, because in that moment, the choice was given to me of you can either choose to go into super therapist mode and do your nine client day to make up for what I thought the failure that just happened, or you can continue being a failure and go home and not see your nine clients. So that was kind of how I took that option. Um, and so of course I stayed and I worked the nine client day. Um, and then that just general vibe of, I need to just boots to the ground, overcompensate, kind of started spiraling for me. So as as a supervisor with a, a younger clinician, we will always probably take the route of pushing ourselves versus mm -hmm. taking care of ourselves. And so I wish that she had told me, you really need to go home and allow this space for yourself. That would have been a really good lesson for me to learn at that point. Well, I think especially because of this very, I think in general that should apply, but with this very specific situation where you had called out sick, the incident happened the next day, my thought also would have been like, hell no, I'm not going to cancel any of these clients because what if it happens again? That would have been my immediate train of thought. Right. I'm and not I canceling agree. ever right. again. Right. So I think it would have been so important for the supervisor to say, hey, maybe you're having this thought, but you need to take the day and go home because this is a lot. Right, right. And so it really, um, this this wound of I have failed started kind of just growing. And the only way that I knew how to fill it was how can I go into super therapist mode? Um, because my just general style of feeling is very avoidant. I struggle with vulnerability. I want to come off as very strong and capable and I'm the therapist. I have all of the answers, right? So um, I can fix all of your problems. So if I'm coming off as kind of falling apart, to me, that felt very weak and kind of spoke more to, yes, I'm failing because I'm having grief. Um, and that failure wound really started growing into the sense of my clients need to determine my self-worth. Mm. And it started growing into not just the fear of losing a client to suicide, but just losing a client in general of being ghosted or oh. are they thinking I'm saying something wrong? Am I not um, helping them enough as if like I need to fix their problems? Um, and so it really went into this like pressure cooker of like, when am I going to fail again? And I need to overcompensate in order to just be at baseline. I'm okay. Right. Because the most recent, what you considered to be a failure was, you know, it's such a big failure. You felt like any failure would feel that big, right? Like a, a client, you know, discharging themselves because they didn't want to continue is certainly not on par with losing a client to suicide, but every, every failure felt that big. And I can't help but think when you were going into this super therapist mode of, 
when you said that, you know, you associated your, your worth with your clients. I think that many of us, especially early career therapists, we, even if we haven't had a traumatic event as a, as a mental health professional, such as losing a client to suicide, a lot of us still, even without that, associate our worth or our value as therapists with our clients' progress, with our clients' outcomes, with our clients' retention, with our ability to attract new clients. We associate, it's very easy to associate our worth and our value as therapists with those, with those numbers, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I can only imagine that this really magnified and it sounds like it's solidified, like, no, 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 you have to associate your worth or else this strategy will happen again. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm curious, um, you had said that you kind of went into that super therapist mode and you shared that it's can be hard to share like and have that vulnerability. So did you bring this up in your own therapy and supervision, like what was happening or were you also keeping all of that inside too? Sure. So, so on the more personal side, um, unfortunately at the time, um, I was with a partner who was a also fairly emotionally avoidant. Um, so never really talked about it with um, my partner. And that, again, kind of solidified this, let me just box it up, I'll put it on the shelf, and then never look at it again, because no one's going to be there to look at it with me. I really needed someone to sit me down and say, hey, how are you? Like, to, for me to go to someone and say I'm struggling felt uncomfy. Um, so personally, I just kind of threw it up on the shelf. Um, my supervisor at the time, um, was very open to talking about it. She, she could really see that I was avoidant. And so she really wanted me to kind of get into it. Um, but she was my supervisor. So she was attached to, this is my job and this is my boss. And so I'm going to look weak and not capable if I let her know that I'm feeling extremely guilty or burned out. Like I need to see 40 people a week and then be okay with that. And then spend my weekends doing fluffy self-care things like face masks and then show up on Monday and do it again. Um, I will say, though, I've always been open to um, meeting with a therapist. Um, However, I started noticing that I had never cried in therapy before. Um, I would sit with my therapist and analyze and do all the things, but I would never cry Um, so even though I was meeting with a therapist, I was not getting to the depth of vulnerability that I needed to, because I wouldn't allow myself to get messy. Mm -hmm. That is so interesting, Michaela, because I too have shown up that way in my own therapy as well. must be a central Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania thing. Just kidding. (laughs) It's Um, in the water. (laughs) Uh, probably just some strong, confident, uh, women who like to, you know, not address their emotions sometimes, but that also makes it, it's adaptive for the field we do sometimes. Right. Um, but I can't help but think, you know, you had a therapist throughout this whole time, the same therapist, I would assume before the loss and after. And so even with that, you know, even with that, that exists pre-existing support system and outlet, you still were, were not really getting to the emotional piece of this, even though it sounds like logically or, you know, with your education, it sounds like you kind of knew. Did you know what was happening? Did you recognize that you were not letting yourself feel you were kind of, you know, over intellectualizing this? Did you know what was happening? I did know what was happening and I was kind of, um, 
because it was so comfortable for me, I was kind of thriving on it of look, look how capable I am. Look, I have this handled. Look, I can analyze this and take care of it on my own. I don't need anybody to help me with this, which means that I am doing great. Um, When in reality, if I looked at like the depth of what was happening for me, I was not I was not okay. And I would hit that point periodically. Like I was just cycling through burnout where I would have like a monthly breakdown as my friends call them a a menti B, a mental breakdown where I would just absolutely (laughs) break. And then I would be like, okay, I need to talk about this with my therapist, but I'm okay. And then I would start the cycle all over again. Um, So I couldn't identify why I was cycling, but I thought I had all of myself totally figured out. Let's pause here for a quick ad break. Hey, Allie, let's take a moment to talk about Jane, our show sponsor who helped make this episode possible. Yes, please. Jane is a practice management software built for every kind of behavioral health practitioner, and it's thoughtfully designed with your clients in mind. Jane makes it convenient to meet with individuals, couples, or families, whether that's online via Jane's telehealth options or in person. Telehealth is also completely integrated with Jane, so you won't need an extra software to run your sessions, and your clients can join a call directly from their browser. And Jane's group management features are a helpful way to help you manage your related clients, such as couples and families. You can copy notes between related clients in the same session and invoice a group appointment to a single client. Are you curious to see Jane in action? head to jane.app slash mental health to book a one-on-one demo. You can also use the code badtherapist for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Hey listeners, it's Catherine here, and I'm coming to you today because Allie's not the best at bragging on herself, and I want to remind you all that she has an incredible resource available for free at our website, cccs.care. Allie's Creative Intervention Library is full of easy interventions that even non-art therapist clinicians like me can use with clients of all ages. Every intervention has a list of materials, an entire process video where you watch Allie doing it, and a written description and steps so you can follow along at home. Plus, she even has a list of diagnoses that might find this creative intervention helpful. So if you want to access a totally free library of interventions for when you feel stuck with clients, check out Allie's website, cccs.care, and sign up for free today. By the way, the number one support for those of us asking ourselves, am I a bad therapist? our clinical consultation groups. If you don't have one yet, join us on the Teletherapist Network for unlimited peer consultation groups, including a lot of different specialty groups like clinicians of color, LGBTQ+, couples counseling, EMDR. And of course, Creativity in the Clinical Room hosted by me, Allie. Plus masterclasses, media leads, and everything else you need for an ethical, modern clinical practice. Join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. And now let's circle back to the show. I'm curious, did this trickle in? Because we know in earlier you called it a pressure cooker, which I feel like is so appropriate. And we know that when we kind of bury things or put them on the shelf or they're in a pressure cooker, eventually it's going to kind of come to a head. So did this start to trickle into 
sessions with clients? Did it change how you were interacting with clients? And then in other areas of your life, did it kind of start to unravel a bit? Yeah. So, so the less that I was in tune with my own human experience, the less I could get in tune with my client's human experience. So I started looking at my clients as like projects versus humans, Mm -hmm. um, which made me build a wall with them, not a wall that they could really feel, but I could feel it where I was like, let me just get this session over with so that I can like stuff my face with a snack and get onto the next one. Um, and so I really started just kind of like a factory, just like getting people through and not connecting with them because I lost touch with being able to connect with myself. I got so good at compartmentalizing that I just compartmentalized sessions. I wasn't there human to human. Um, and so it, it did get to a breaking point where I started looking for other jobs, um, mm-hmm. more, Um, jobs where I could just kind of check out. Like I started looking at like admin work, like I just needed a total break. Mm -hmm. And my supervisor who I actually work for now looked at me and was like, this is temporary. Like the the stress you're under is temporary. Um, Don't leave the field. Like I was done with the field um, because it was so pressure filled of, I can't be perfect the rest of my life. I don't want to have to be perfect the rest of my life. So let me just do something that doesn't require me to be perfect because I started associating being a therapist with being perfect. And that's just an unrealistic standard. And it sounds like this, these series of events so close together in your professional life really solidified that idea of if I'm not perfect, something bad will happen. And that led to that, that, that cyclical pattern of burnout. How long were you in that pattern of burnout? Gosh, I mean, I, th- I think it is important to normalize that burnout will happen your entire career um, on different levels. Um, I hear a lot of like therapists saying like, I burned out and then I fixed it, but then you don't hear that they experience it again. So it is normal to experience cyclical burnout. However, it is important to be aware of it and learn how to care and have compassion for yourself when you are burning out and what's causing your burnout. Um, but I will say I, I burned out to the point of leaving the field for about about a year and a half um, where I was just totally burning myself out. Um, that community mental health field also validated like you're such a good teammate that you're willing to take all these groups and you're such a good worker when in reality I was like, not doing well, but I was hearing that I was being a good worker. Um, so I kept going. Um, it wasn't really until, um, I got out of the community mental health, um, environment, but also recognized within myself, I'm either going to leave the field or I'm going to figure out how I can allow myself to be human and messy and stay in the field. I love that. I always say like we pull quotes and we have them on Instagram and I always say when this happens, I'm like, I know that that's going to be a quote on our Instagram. So everyone make sure to go check it out because I know we're going to put that one because that is so well said and it's just so appropriate. And I feel like this, we talk about this a lot where especially early on in your career, but it can happen at any point. I I feel like almost we wonder like, oh, like, so this is what being a therapist is. We think it's normal to be in that cycle of burnout for a long time. And we've talked about it on other episodes, too, where you're praised like, oh, my God, you're seeing so many people. You're doing amazing. Mm -hmm. Instead of someone saying, 
you're seeing so many people. Are you okay? Let's take yeah. it down a notch. Like we don't often hear that. And it, so it makes it feel like that's what we're supposed to do as therapists until we get to the point of like, well, I guess I can't do this. I guess I can't be a therapist anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's so tricky. So what would should we say to those people? I feel like we'll, we always ask this question too of like, what would we say to like a clinician? Yeah. So I feel like it's going to be a two-parter. What do you think we should say, whether it's to clinicians who are being praised for do, seeing so many clients, for pushing down their emotions, or even to the field? Like, what should we say in regards to that first? Sure. So I, I think to the clinician that is kind of thriving on this, I'm doing so good. Um, I've got so many things handled, um, to kind of ask what is fueling that need to see so many people, what is fueling that need to Mm. be strong and capable? Is it fear? Is it insecurity? Is it, um, an avoidance of your own personal problems? Um, you know, what is, what is fueling that? And then also who is fueling that? Cause if there's someone, um, I had a supervisor who really fueled this, you got to box it up and you just got to do it. Um, and that was really damaging for, for who I am as a growing therapist. And so who is fueling that? And if they are fueling that to either talk with them about it, or maybe walk away from that relationship, um, professional relationship. Um, but finding out why you're doing it. Um, And then allowing yourself, like if you have a day where you've seen a lot of people and you're just so tired and you're so burned out that day, that is okay. And it's okay to not be okay for that day. It's okay to go home and it's okay to be sad, sit on the couch, do, do whatever you feel like you go out for a drink, whatever you feel like you need to do. It's not going to last into the next day or the day after that, just because you're having a human experience doesn't mean that you're a mess or that you're chaotic or that you're a bad therapist. It just means I had a bad day. I'm tired. I need to take care of myself because I learned that if I'm to experience an emotion, what if I can't get rid of it? And then what if it just tumbles into the next day? My emotions essentially became scary to me. Yeah. Michaela, That's amazing, amazing advice and feedback for anyone listening. And in fact, I had one of those days yesterday where I just needed, uh, I just needed a timeout for myself as well and to care for myself at the end of the day. So you have such good insight and perspective on your own burnout and how this pattern happened to you and and for you in that sense. How did you get to this point of insight and I, I would say recovery? How did you get to this point? Um, I mean, it's kind of interesting that I'm talking about having this fear of failure, but I think I had failed so many times trying to make this perfection work that I like frustrated myself of like, why the heck did I want to be a therapist my entire life? And now I hate this. What, why? Um, And so it really got to a point of what's missing for me here. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was like people who really knew me, like my mom being like, McKay, you, Michaela, you never look like anything is wrong. Um, and it was people telling me that best friends telling me, like, you never really break down ever where I started seeing like, this might be the thing that's missing is vulnerability. Um, because also my work with my therapist, I learned that I carry a lot of shame. Um, and as Brene Brown talks about shame, um, really stops vulnerability. 
Um, and I was like, okay, if I have a lot of shame, then I must not be vulnerable. And so I was like, let me try this vulnerability thing out. And I hated it. It was so <laughs> uncomfortable, but I noticed that it was having such a beautiful ripple effect into my life that I was like, I need to push myself to get vulnerable with people in ways that are uncomfy for me. So I found people who were good for me, who could carry my vulnerability in a way that felt safe for me. Um, I did more daily check-ins with myself and allowed myself to honor the check-in of like even two minutes before a client would come in my office, I would do a check-in of, I don't feel right. What emotion am I feeling? Mm -hmm. And allowing myself to say, I actually feel super irritated right now. And it might be because I'm hungry, but I'm just irritated and that's okay. And in about 50 minutes, I'll recheck with myself, but allowing myself to literally just be a human being helped me become more aware and become okay with burnout and then also become okay with comforting myself and having compassion for myself. And it sounds like failure. It's okay, right? Because mm -hmm. it's part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, I have to say your journey is so inspiring, I would say. Like hearing this kind of journey through having this, you know, of course it was related to other things, but then having this kind of like, like that breaking point almost of the situation we started talking about and just this journey into this realization for yourself and where you are today, because already you're sitting here being incredibly vulnerable with us, which we cannot thank you enough for. But I just want to say it's genuinely so inspiring to hear mm -hmm. about this and see where you are today. And I feel like I always say any episode, I feel like I learn so much. I get so inspired. I get so motivated. But this is, I think, one of the best messages any of our listeners could hear today is like what we always want to talk about is that we're humans and it's okay for all of these things. And it's just we're so grateful that you're sharing the story with us. Yeah. And I can't help but think how many therapists out there are feeling exactly how you felt after losing a client to suicide, after, you know, needing to be out sick. How, how many people are feeling the same way without having that big traumatic event happen? You have that event happen, and so it's easy to identify and talk about on this podcast, but there are so many therapists out there who are feeling the same cycle of burnout and, and super therapist mode, as you describe, but they, they don't have a big triggering event to point to to say, like, this is how it went wrong or this is how I got here. Like, we're in this pattern. And even if it was a really slow, slippery slope to get there, it's still a pattern that you can break um, and identify even if there's not this big triggering event. I can't help but think of how many therapists out there who might be listening who might not recognize until hearing this episode that they're in that cycle. Yeah, and I think a lot without the triggering event – because like last week I had to take a day off because I was sick and the anxiety that I had mm -hmm. canceling people, not just because of what had happened three years ago, that didn't really even cross my mind, but it was that connection still that I have of my self-worth is dependent on the work I do with my clients. And I'm mm -hmm. very aware of it and I'm working hard on it, but that anxiety still exists of my self-worth depends on how much I can help and how much I can do for clients. And if I cancel them, I've lost that sense of self-worth. And so I noticed that anxiety, I caught it and I was like, okay, I have to cancel and it's absolutely okay. And they're going to be okay with it because I teach them boundaries and I teach them respecting other people's boundaries. And so 
they were okay with it and they were fine with it. And it was really cool because it was, I got to be vulnerable with them and they got to be vulnerable with me of, I hope you're feeling so much better. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Like it was a really cool human experience that was allowed by vulnerability. Michaela, that's awesome. I love it. Well, we've learned so much today, Michaela. And if people want to connect with you outside of the mm-hmm. podcast, where can they find you? Sure. So I don't have big like therapy, social media things like a lot of other people that record on this podcast. Oh, that's um, okay. I don't know if like my email is going to be linked or anything like that, but you're mm-hmm. always welcome to email me um, if you want to follow me on Instagram. Uh, my first name is Michaela, M-I-K-A-L-A, last name is Morrow, M-O-R-O-W. You can follow me on Instagram if you want to see my personal social life, you're welcome mm-hmm. to. Um, but uh, if any of this is speaking to anyone, you're welcome to email me and kind of talk with me. Um, not just about either suicide, but about self-worth, burnout, I'd be happy to talk with people more personally about it. Perfect. And we will definitely link that in the show notes. So if you want to find Michaela's email, just check in the show notes and we'll connect you. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here, Michaela. Again, it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate you letting thank me you, share story and my experience. Thank you. And that's it. The OG bad therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song along with many others on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast or wanting to level up the one you already have, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And don't forget, we're all bad therapists.